Okay. Back to the lesson. And we're going to move through, and, and my understanding is we've got time. We don't have to get out of here right at noon, because if, I, if we did that, we'd be running nonstop. I don't feel like doing that. If you're comfortable, let's just get through it, and we'll, we'll enjoy the rest of this. So, <laughs> not like this is torture, I hope, anyway. It's like, uh, no one's being tortured here. Okay. Uh, part four, consult with the wise ones. Now, this is, uh, this is going to be a very interesting section here, too. Um, the C word in pact, you're making this commitment for Jesus Christ to make good, better, and the best choices in life. And it requires a reliance upon wisdom and guidance from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. This includes the third letter of our pact acronym, the C. And you or may or may not be surprised by this one, but the C in PACT is going to stand for consult, consultation, consultation or consulting. As an example, when you're about to make a major purchase, such as a car, what do you normally do? You do whatever it is that you would call research. For those of you who are on computer, you go online, you check pricing. You kind of zero in on a model you might want, maybe. You check the reviews of the car. You know, is it a lemon all the time? Pardon me? Consumer reports. Consumer reports. Uh, that's a great. You're doing your research, right? Okay. In your research, you're going to talk to other people. I don't want to lose this. In your research, you're going to talk to other people about who may know something about cars. You're going to talk to maybe your mechanic. You're, he's going to warn you of potential issues with certain car models because they see them all, they know them all. So you want to avoid buying a car like that so you won't have what? Big headaches down the road. You can ask others about the cars that they drive because they're going to be experts about their own cars. They've driven them. They already have a car. You're looking at the same thing. You'll ask them, how do you like this car? What do you think about this car that you're driving? You can go to the local auto show and actually see the cars but your best advice is going to come from those who are the end users. Mm -hmm. You come out of the experience with more information you had when you started. Getting information from outside sources is not always the determining factor in making choices, but they are important in many situations and circumstances in your life and not just in making large purchases. Can you think of any areas in your life where it's wise to get advice from others? No. Well, in my case, I, you know, never used to buying cars. Okay. So, I always had husbands that did that. So, my son chose one of his best friends who was a manager at a car dealer. Okay. He said, choose a car for my mom. And he did, and I'm still driving. Very good. So that's how I got it. Okay. Then when I saw the price, I was just shocked. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I wasn't used to buying no cars. Okay. Okay. But it, yeah, still, I'm still driving it. Very good. That's a good example. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> Wise counsel before marriage. Everybody hear that? Amen. Amen. Everybody repeat again after me. Wise, Wise counsel before marriage. marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, I'm a witness. Some of us, some of us, 
are blessed, even though we blew it or something, you know. But, but it's really a good idea to have wise counsel talk to other people before you get married. Wise people. Why? And to, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, talking to wise people is pretty important here. We're getting to that. We're working our way up to that. That's a very important thing. And notice that it says consult with the wise ones because that is important here. You, you know, because you can, you can, as I've said in the past, you can learn something from a fool. You learn how not to be like them. So that's what you that's what you learn. <laughs> so you consult with the wise ones. Okay. It's always wise to ask for and accept good advice before you make a choice. Can we agree God places people in our lives? Through the Holy Spirit, whatever it is or however it happens, but he's involved in that, to help you to make good choices. Amen? Amen. Amen. In the body of Christ, we have to believe that God is working with the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ to put people in your life who are smart, who've been there before you, to learn about situations and circumstances where you can get good advice from these people. Before you make a decision, a choice in life, it's always wise to ask for, notice I added the word, and accept. You can ask for all kinds of advice. You'd be foolish to not pay attention to it. Because remember, remember how we say God speaks to you in different ways? God speaks to you in some cases through wise counsel from other people. You don't deny that level of communication. Sometimes people will ask until they get the answer that they want. Well, that's completely different. <laughs> then why ask at all? You know what I mean? You know, yes, Columbus, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. Amen. It's amazing how Psalm 1 1 starts. Psalm 1 1 starts with that. But that's so important, though. That shows you the importance of what we're talking about here. Yes, go ahead, Faith. Just a question sometimes. I think we need to really give the wise counsel. Sometimes we can be very general. Yes. People are really seeking advice. Yeah. And when you're general, trying to step on people's toes, you're robbing them of getting the counsel they really need. Well, I would say to this to that, if you're truly living in the Spirit, you will know when it's time to really get in depth with somebody. Because he's going to tell you, you need to spend some time with this person and really talk it through. He's going to make sure of that. He's going to make sure you know that too. So yes, rather than tiptoeing through a situation or feeling like maybe you're not, <laughs> maybe you're feeling like, you know what I'm saying, you, you don't want to. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yep. And you would get that general just, well, I'm going to pray for you, where I was looking for 
Yeah, people don't like to give advice about how to raise. I don't know why, but they don't. But I know what you're saying. That, that's what I'm talking about. Right. It would be good to just really, mm-hmm. I guess, brothers and sisters in Christ have that willingness to really impart. Mm-hmm. Amen. And you know what's really funny? The first thing that we do if we see some kid misbehaving in a, in a grocery store, they base kids over here acting all crazy and stuff. First thing you be doing is thinking about something to say about what's how somebody else is raising their kids. But when it comes time for you to give advice, where are you at? Zip, ain't gonna say nothing. No, that's what I'm saying. Yes, Pearl. Thank you for allowing me to do that. <laughs> I, I think uh, along the lines of what Faith is saying, uh, and you know, you, you made a very valid point. You have to be wise enough. You have to be in tune enough with when to go deep with the person. Uh, one thing I've learned, you befriend. You have to, your behavior has to be exemplary. Yesterday I was sitting in my bedroom and we have uh, at uh, my employment, we'll uh, employ uh, workers sometimes so that they can work for their, their benefits and we have one and uh, initially, I didn't see her, and they sat her right across from me. And I was like, okay, Lord, they gave another baby. And every chair that he will allow you to have. So yesterday, she tipped over. She said, she's apparently going through some issues with this guy. She's dating, she's a single mom, and apparently she's got the kids with it. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, Lord, I didn't, you know, I didn't see this all coming. And she, before she walked away, and we had a little brief conversation. She said, well, I see you know your words. She said, I'm coming to you. She said, I don't usually share with people like that, but I've watched you and you, you know, you've seen it. She said, can I call your mom? I said, absolutely. I said, everybody else call me Mama Pearl. I said, go right ahead. Uh, and that was the other day she said that. She said, Miss Pearl, good, good evening. She, she leaves an hour before I do it. She said, can I call you? I said, absolutely, baby. Just call me Mama Pearl. Everybody else is. So yesterday she eased over. She tipped over. And I, myself, I constantly pray, and, and, and the Holy Spirit will give you a heads up. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, okay, Lord, there's a new baby in, in, in the unit, and, you know, I pray for opportunity that God will allow me to be bold enough. And, mm-hmm. and when she did, I asked her a few questions, and, of course, you know, time wouldn't allow for us mm-hmm. to really get in there, but... Mm-hmm. I said, I'd like to go to coffee with you. I said, when are you taking lunches and da 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 da? So we've already, I've already got a plan. You know, I'm gonna be praying that the Lord will allow me to be used to go deep enough, like Faith said. And I'm like Faith. There was time in the past. You know, people just number one, they don't want to spend no time with you. Everybody's in a hurry. They they rushing and they give you that like you say, pray about it. Well, if a sister gets her head bopped and stuff, she ain't trying to pray about that. She wants you to really give her some insight as to how do you get out of the situation, how do you disconnect, and how do you stand still, you know. Right. So she really wants some meat that she don't know how to get right now. Right. So understand now, just there are two things we're talking about here. Praying about how to talk to people. Remember we said earlier about what you're praying for all day? There's an example. Now, I only got to, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. I didn't even get to the whole day. But if you're thinking about living for Christ, you're thinking about ways that you can be a light for Christ before everybody. And that includes being available, being ready, being present, not always being in a hurry, slowing yourself down sometimes to hear how God is speaking to you. It's all relevant. It all matters. 
There are several proverbs here. Oh, yeah. First of all, don't underestimate. It's almost like you read my script. (laughs) Don't underestimate in any way, shape, or form that God puts people in your path for the very reason of helping you along or encouraging you to move forward and remain steadfast in Christ. He will put people in your path. He will do things. He will change things. He will move things around. Sometimes he will give you a different supervisor. Sometimes he'll give you different people in your life to show he is paying attention to you. He wants you to be encouraged. Remember, he wants you to succeed. He's doing these things to help you to succeed in your life. Now, can I say this? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but... But you're going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Tell people when we need a word or some help. Sure. I mean, just be bold enough. I mean, we. I know we all don't want people to know our business. Oh, Lord have mercy. Everybody knows my business. I mean, internet got Yeah. But, I mean, just be vulnerable enough to get some help. And I think that's, that's a big issue. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm blessed. I'm, I'm good all the time. No, I ain't good all the time. No. You know, I, I use myself as an example because I'm, it's easy for me to do so. But a lot of people at this church, I've been here 20 years at our church. And everybody knows my story from starting back in 1995. Different wife, different family, different, and, and the evolution of all of that. A lot of people know my life. But I'm not ashamed of that at all. Because there have been blessings upon blessings all through it all. You know. Especially when I met this one again. Mm-hmm. My first girlfriend, by the way. I don't know if, anybody, if you guys ever knew that. Yeah. My first girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. All right. So. First book of Melvin. Huh? No, this is not the book of Melvin. We're moving on. Uh, so, but. Sometimes you have to be vulnerable. And you know what? It's a risk. I'm not going to lie. You know, let people know some of your business. It's, it's, it's going to be that way. But you know what? God is powerful. God is able. There are some things that you really do need to share with other people. And allow yourself to be vulnerable to help them through. And if, if that's the reason to do it, that's a noble reason to do it. And you just let God take care of the rest of it. Okay. So there's several proverbs that refer to the value of counsel and instruction and also the peril of following those who ignore good advice or even follow those who are foolish. Let's take a look at Proverbs 19, verses 20 and 21. You know, have you ever known when you've taken the advice from somebody, you come back later on and say, that was horrible advice. (laughs) What the heck did I do? And you made the choice to follow that advice. (laughs) Sometimes you have to pray for people in your life who are smart. (laughs) Who really know what they're talking about. Amen? Because, you know, a fool will offer advice to anybody and everybody all the time. They will just keep talking, talk, talk, just to hear themselves talk. That's on you. You don't listen to all that. All right, Proverbs 19, verses 20 and 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. 
Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. All right? And I'm going to rifle through these a little bit. I'll, I'll just put them all up on the board here, and we'll go down the list here. Proverbs 13.10. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Wisdom. Remember, God through his word is always trying to impart to you two very important things. Wisdom and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Knowledge and wisdom. They go hand in hand. The more you know, the better it is for you. That's wisdom. Proverbs 11.14. When there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. (coughs) One thing that a president should always be trying to do when he is establishing the people that work around him is getting people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Wise counsel. Mm-hmm. The president picks a cabinet. They, those people are the ones that he can... Confer- he doesn't make decisions on his own. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. A president usually gets the advice of people in foreign affairs. You know, they, you've got people who are working with uh, the, the affairs of the country, their, the economy... All these individuals, they are supposed to be people that are smart and have wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's what you rely upon. Mm -hmm. And seldom is it that you ignore that. I mean, that's something that you just have to have. Mm -hmm. You had your hand up. I would say um, wisdom is not a degree or uh, schooling. Wisdom is experience. Experience. Mm -hmm. It's not not just having a degree. degree. That's right. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. A degree is only, you know, a degree is only relevant if you really are using what you've done in school and really learning, even beyond that. Time and experience. That's right. I know a lot of jobs look to having a degree. I mean, that's something that they require, but what that means is not so much the type of degree. I, don't, I told my kids that all over and over, I don't care if you get a degree in basket weaving. Just get a degree, because that's the starting point of your learning in life. Amen? You like that basket weaving? Yeah, I know. A degree in basket weaving. But the bottom line is you're learning. You're actually acquiring skills as you're getting that degree in basket weaving or whatever it is to learn how to study, to learn how to interpret information, to learn how to do cognitive thinking and reasoning. It's all important. Proverbs 11.14. Oh, pardon me. I already read that. Proverbs 4.13. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Okay? It's important to note that the primary source of all wisdom is none other than God himself. It's all coming through him. It all funnels through him. To other people to speak to you, it's all coming from him. He teaches and instructs with his word, and he teaches others with this wisdom for the purpose that they can share it with others at a time of need. Proverbs 1 Verses 1 through 7. Uh, This is the ESV version. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Proverbs 1. Now here we go. Remember what Columbus said about Psalm 1-1? Proverbs 1. To know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. I mean, it's awesome. This is what the Proverbs are all about. Giving instruction. Giving wisdom. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain knowledge to understand a proverb and a saying the words of the wise and their riddles and then you got the fear of the lord is the beginning of wit knowledge 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools don't care about being smart. They specialize in stupidity. Amen? Now that's from the book of Melvin. But it's true. They specialize, they specialize in stupidity. If you're gonna if you're gonna listen to a fool, if you want to hear stupid all day long, stay with that fool. You'll hear it all. Yes. That's right. You don't have to be I mean, you can be a fool and not and not be simple and silly. You can be really wise, but you just have you lack the knowledge. Well now you're twisting it. But you're right. No, you're right. Your point is well taken because it still ends up stupid. You have to. You got to look at it from the standpoint. Yes, they may be looking at it from okay. a totally different perspective, but the end result is still stupidity. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to something that you can really use, mm-hmm. you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because sometimes people think fools are just silly and simple and. Yes, that's yeah. true. You're not always dressed as a court jester. Yes, that's correct. That's exactly right. You might be wearing a suit. Yeah. 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 You may be wearing a suit. You may have several degrees. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I want to make sure I got everybody here. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, very important point here. I want to make sure that you get. In remembering your pact with Jesus Christ to make the right choices, you're to pray about the matter and ask God for the proper direction to take. And that includes allowing the Holy Spirit to show you people that you can trust with good advice when it's called for. I mentioned this because of a Bible verse that stuck out when I was looking at this topic. The takeaway from this is that not everyone gives good advice. Turn to 1 John 4. Not everyone gives good advice. And we have to look at it from the standpoint that you need to be praying for these people to come in your life that are wise because you're going to run into some stuff. And some of you may have already had personal experiences like this. Look at what it says in 1 John 4, 1. I'll wait till you get there. Because we need to read it. <laughs> 1 John 4, 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now, why is he saying that? Yes, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Sometimes we have to use a very important word, and it's discernment. And the discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. And you have to understand that you're going to sometimes run into people who just want to disrupt. The spirits, the ones who are working on behalf of Satan, for example, all they care about is confusion and disruption. And they will deliberately be out there. And you've got to remember that you're getting counsel from all kinds of people, but you don't take the advice from everyone you listen to. You only go through the ones that have the wise counsel that you know that you're working through the Spirit. The Spirit's working through them. But you've got to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, let me mention why that's the case. Arlen said something very profound earlier, and it has to do with sometimes you're going to keep asking for something until you get the answer you want to hear. 
Well, that's not from God. That's from Satan. That's from the opposition who wants to basically affirm what you already think in your heart. Like, I know I should buy, for example, I'll use an example for a car. I know that I have a family of four kids and a husband. I know I should buy a minivan, but I'd rather go out and buy myself a yellow Miata, a sports car. Oh, my goodness. So you're going to run into folks talking about, yeah, man, that Miata is a bad little car. Now, where are you going to put them kids? In the trunk? <laughs> now that's an ex- <laughs> but that's an example that's an extreme example but understand something the opposition is going to pe- put people in your heart in your mind to see that they're going to say I'm going to buy that yellow car <laughs> and that's a mistake now there, there, there is, this can be much more tragic than in other real life real world circumstances when you take the wrong advice. If you're in any way relying upon your own reasoning in the area of making choices, you're going to latch onto those people who told you to do this or do that. I told you to do that. And it may be a terrible choice once the dust clears. Amen. Satan has many willing participants who are ready, willing, and able, if you allow it, to cause you to stumble. And that includes how you seek your advice. It's just like, it's just as bad as if somebody's giving you wise advice and you don't take it. Mm-hmm. It's just as bad as that. You're getting people telling you the truth, telling you all this stuff that you should be doing, and you just say, yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe. <coughs> you had your hand up. Okay, one thing that I'm trying to Why? <laughs> just I'm keep talking. talking. No, sometimes <laughs> Satan comes to us as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. Yes. An angel of light, yes. He will, I don't want to say mimic God's word, but he can present it as though it's scriptural or so. But if you don't know the word of God, mm-hmm. and that's not your plumb line, right. it's hard for you then to discern whether or not it's from the Holy Spirit sometimes or from Satan. That's right. So you've you know, so, so you got to funnel everything back through the word of God. You have to. Those you have to. That's absolutely very important, especially as a new believer or somebody who's still gaining experience. You really, you really have to truly be praying very, very earnestly about everybody you come in contact with, your God's word, how God is speaking. That's all very important, very relevant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's note that the element of relying upon the third person of the Holy Spirit providing wisdom and guidance as to who to talk to is significant for three very important reasons. Who you talk to is important, and here's why. Number one, you're telling God that he is in control. If you are truly allowing the Spirit to work, you're letting him know he's in control of the situation. I'm not in control of it. Lord, you're the one giving direction. What do we wrestle with? God being in control, as opposed to you being in control. Right? We wrestle with that all the time. Remember what we read in Proverbs 1, 7? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Very important. Here's another one. Go to Isaiah 41.10. 
Isaiah 41.10. It says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Stop there for a moment. It really comes down to you saying, God is in control. I am. If God is saying he is with you, then claim that, please. Just live with that. That thinking. That he's with you. He's going to help you through whatever you're going through. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He is going to be the one who's going to help you through this thing. And, of course, everybody knows Philippians 4.13. Everybody know what that is? I can do things. Okay. There you go. You know the verse. Now you have to trust. That you, pardon me? Do it. Do it. I wasn't going to say it like that, but since you said it, just put it out there now. Just put it on full blast. Just do it. You know he strengthens you. He know, You know he's giving you that ability. Remember. He wants you to succeed in this. He wants to see you successful in making the right choices. So rely upon his strength. Point number two. You are not relying upon your own reasoning and rationalization. You can rationalize and reason your way into doing all kinds of crazy dumb stuff. Amen? Amen? You, you can do it on your own. You don't need to consult with any, frankly, you don't need to consult with anybody for that. If you want to have people affirm your goofiness, they will do that for you if you keep choosing the right people. Yeah. If it feels good, do it, right? If it, thank you, Arlen. <laughs> that's, that's right. But you, you'll pick people, I'll, I'll get you. You'll pick people in your life that will affirm your goofiness. Because that's who you want around you to basically affirm what you're doing. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You had your hand up, right? Right. Okay, go ahead. And that is so true because I know I know some of you guys know I was going to get married, and I thank God for pastor and my pastor. But you still would run into people, and like Arlen said, you know, you mm-hmm. will keep asking advice because you think you know what you want, and then you have other people like half his family, like, you know, He's changed because you're in his life, so part mm-hmm. of you think, well, you know, you're making him a better person, so this is what you're supposed to mm-hmm. do. But yeah. then, you that's know, a that's a rationalization right there. Right. There you go. Pastor Miss Elaine and Miss yeah. Donna, you know, yeah. like make a list, good pros and cons, and mm-hmm. then you just realize that it's not for you. And I still sometimes today think about it, and I thank God I broke into worship because I would be in a pretty bad state had I got <laughs> had I jumped that room. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. That wasn't what I was supposed to do, but you can <laughs> rationalize and think, well, maybe oh, yeah. this is God's will. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. But mm-hmm. if you don't seek wise counsel and go with it, then you can make some pretty Amen. There are real life examples where God blocked you, and it was a blessing. Amen. 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 Yes, Pearl. I was going to say, one of my favorite songs, and I can't remember the, uh, the song's name right now, but it's called... Uh, hide me from uh, the enemy, even me. Okay. And that's part of the verse that, uh, and it is a beautiful song. And every time I have to just say to the Lord, hide me, even me, Lord. Mm-hmm. Even if the enemy is me, mm-hmm. hide me. Amen. Amen. One other point I wanted to add here. Receiving good counsel is an act 
of humility. That is something you have to allow, die to self, live for Christ. Sometimes what you think is good for you is not. Amen? Amen. Okay. Janet Chismar, a writer for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, noted, Our culture does not value submission. Rather, it promotes individualism. No kidding. That's exactly right. How purposely and actively do you work on submission to those whom God has placed as authorities in your life? Doing so is a good way to humble yourself. Submitting to authority is very important. People who know what they're doing. Now, what do we tell kids all the time? Listen to your mother and father. You know, they try to give you good advice. Okay? She also stated, humility before God is not complete unless there is also humility before man. That's very true. I'll read it again. Humility before God is not complete unless there is also humility before man. A true test of our willingness to humble ourselves is willingness to share with others the weaknesses we confess to God. Wisdom, however, dictates that we do so with others that we trust. Okay. Go to James 5.16. I'm going to read the NIV version. James 5.16. Therefore, now this is, here's the thing. Now remember when you're talking about sharing with other people, which is something that people don't want to do? Well, sometimes if you really trust someone, if you really are close to someone, sometimes you have to share with them what's going on in your life. And it's for your own good. And, of course, the challenge with that is that make sure that you know them and they keep your confidence. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Amen? I mean, you just don't go blurting stuff out to anybody, okay? You've got to be smart about this stuff. Amen. But that doesn't mean you don't do it. <laughs> it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, that's a humility that you're expressing before other people and before God himself. You're showing yourself to be a real person. You're acknowledging to people, I mess up. The worst thing in the world sometimes is coming up under somebody who's always thinks they're perfect. Because that's not really a real picture of life. Perfection is not perfect. That's not who a person really is. You're only seeing one part of their life. You're not seeing the part where they screw up all the time. Yes. Amen? Yes. But that's hard for a person who's learning about trusting someone. Okay? Third point, you are less likely to be deceived or given bad advice. Knowing who you talk to is important. If you know who you're talking to, you're less likely to get bad advice or get deceived. And that's just a general, you know, of course. The more you know about a person, the more you know about a relationship with them, you're developing relationships with people. And maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's people that you know, within your own family. You're less likely to get bad advice. 
but you're still operating through the Holy Spirit and doing all of this. As much as we hate to admit it, we have experienced times where the people we consulted gave us bad advice. The aftermath of bad advice, in some cases, was you know the financial costs. You know, sometimes you have somebody, for example, let's say somebody wants to sell you insurance. Some guy he tries to befriend you, he wants to sell you insurance or maybe sell you a plan where you can put money away. But and you know, for me, I bought something from somebody. This was a long time ago. And it was just a bad policy. It didn't have any value. It wasn't going to do anything. If something were to happen to me, it wouldn't have paid that much money. So you chalk it up as a loss. But unfortunately, some people have been really victimized with this stuff. Where, you know, they invest in something that turns out to be a Ponzi scheme. And you really have to kind of go back and look at that and say, boy, but for the grace of God, you know, sometimes you're protected from a lot of bad stuff. It's really important for you to do that. Now, I mentioned that we're less likely to be given bad advice we seek the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes a person is going to share with you something that may have been a great experience for them, but it may not be so good for you if you try it. So you, you can't always look at what other people say is great for them and then apply it to yourself. It may not work that way. It doesn't mean that the advice was bad advice. It just means it didn't work for you. So you have to put some balance in all of this stuff here, too. God sometimes allows things in our lives, whether we like it or not, to teach us. And sometimes we're just going to have bad things that come about. But it's a lesson that you learn. And I know I've learned a lot of lessons. I learned a lot of lessons about who I give my money to to invest now. <laughs> because that's a lesson you learn from a, a previous experience. And sometimes something like that happens for you to learn. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. More of a comment. I've learned to look at that things that happen in my life as an opportunity to go closer, closer to Christ. Okay. Okay, they couldn't hear you back there at all. Sorry. I've learned to look at things that happen, bad things that happen in my life, as opportunities to grow. Closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. That's a very important, and we need to look at it from that standpoint, too. Now, one thing that if you have trouble, I want, to, I want to get to this real quick. If you have trouble asking for advice or receiving the advice of others, I'm going to take you back to the place where many people struggle in their life choices, making the wrong choice, pridefulness. Pridefulness. Amen? Amen. Hey, when you get right down to it, if you can't take advice, if you can't ask for advice, if you think you know everything, if you think you've got all the answers, if you think you've got all the solutions, you think you're going in the right direction, pridefulness. <laughs> if you, if you, yeah, breakthrough. Thank you. If you think, if you think that others can't help you, now, now listen. If you think that others can't help you, remember, you know, this is really important. It was kind of funny there for a minute, but. If you think other people cannot help you when they're really trying to help you, that's not humble. That's not being humble. 
you're living in a world where you really only want to have control of your own life. That's what that is. Psalm 10.4 says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. Now that's an extreme statement. Because we're talking about a person who really is not seeking the Lord. But guess what? You've got to think about how you're living your life. If you think you don't need advice from other folks, you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you just contradicted yourself. You just contradicted yourself by doing that. Remember how God speaks to you in different ways through even different people. You need to be paying attention to that. It's always wise to seek counsel from those who are wise. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct you in your efforts to make better choices. The people who have life experience are great teachers. Amen. Now, one thing I've learned, and I'm not, you know, I'm still learning a lot, but I know I know a heck of a lot more right now at age 56 than I did when I was 36. Come on now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Life experience is a great teacher. You go through stuff and you can start sharing with other people the more you learn and making yourself available for them. Trust that the Lord is going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this is going to lead us into our final letter in pact. And we're going to take a quick break. Um, But who do you place your trust in? Who do you place your trust in? That is what is going to be the, how we're going to sum up everything. So what we'll do, uh, we have any questions or anything? Are we good? Or any discussion? Okay, that's, that, was, that was the break from before, so we're ignore the 15-minute part. We'll take a five-minute break if you needed to go to the restroom. we just take a quick five-minute break, and we'll come back. It's almost 12 noon, so we're going to finish up very quickly uh, with the last one, unless you guys don't want a break. We good? You want to keep going? Yeah. Keep going? All right. Well, then we'll keep going then. <laughs> we'll keep going. There's not that much here, but we, I want to do this because this is very important. All the things we talked about, praying, asking, and consulting, it doesn't mean anything if you don't trust in the results. Amen? Amen. Trusting in the results. The final acronym of our pact, our commitment to live wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ, is the letter T, which represents trust. Gus actually said it yesterday. He probably doesn't remember. Maybe he doesn't remember. I don't know if he does or not. But we actually said we would talk about trust today. This sums everything up that we're talking about. Trusting in not just the advice you get, but trusting in the power and ability of Jesus Christ. How big is your God is what I want to get to. How big is he? How much are you willing to trust in him? Trusting that he is not just powerful, but trusting that he is Lord. Trusting that your humble prayers are always heard by him. Your creator, who knows all about you, as we've been saying in this whole process. Trust is a significant issue for a number of people. One of the first things that we automatically think about when we venture outside of our own circle of people is, who can I trust? Amen? Amen. Who can I trust? (coughs) In a fallen world, it's hard to find people that we can trust. So we all know this. We understand this. 
You know, for example, it's a wonderful thing if you have a mechanic that you can rely upon and who is honest. A mechanic for your car? Amen. Amen. Now, wait a minute now. Mm -hmm. If you've got a mechanic that you can take your car to who is going to fix your car and not charge you a boatload of money, just charge what it costs to get the car fixed and make it work right, Amen. What a load off of your shoulders. Especially if you rely upon transportation to get around. Mm -hmm. Having a good mechanic is like gold in the bank. Mm -hmm. And that ain't no lie. Of course, it's all in perspective. If you don't drive, it don't mean a daggone thing, does it? But if you drive a lot, that makes a big difference. Having an honest mechanic. All the stories you ever heard in the past about folks ripping people off and deceiving Mm -hmm. them and cars just not running right, driving off the lot, the door hangs open, the wheel falls off. You know, all those things will happen to people if you have a bad mechanic and you don't know whether to trust them. So it's a big deal for a lot of people. All right, I said my piece. I'll move on. You also know how violated you feel if someone you know or someone or has violated your privacy or if somebody has been, you know, ripped you off. You know how you feel. Trusting other people can sometimes be challenged by our own fallibility or the other person's fallibility. However, trust in Jesus Christ will always be met with his infallible nature. Trust in Jesus Christ is an important and inseparable element of faith. Important and inseparable element of faith. Having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is essentially trusting him in everything. That's what you're doing. Because you trust, number one, he keeps his word. The word that he says means something. It has, just as you have a value in Christ, his word has a value. You're seeing the same things. It's reciprocated, okay? So that's very important. So what does it say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Now, some of you already know this verse, but this is so important. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he won't make, he'll he'll give you paths, your straight paths, whatever it says there. He gives you the direction. But now you've got to trust in him, what, with all your heart. And remember, even though you may think something is the right way to go, he's saying for you to not trust that. Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in him. That's basically the the credo of any believer in Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So, Bill, I know you're not a counselor or anything like that, but how do you, you know, in this world today... Who says I'm not a counselor, man? No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Go ahead. trust in, you know, people are more distrustful of others based on their experiences. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how tough is it to go from that state of mind to then saying, oh, I trust in Jesus, right? And yeah. So does it go back to you have to trust in man? I mean, get, get to a point where you are, you know, where you can trust other people. Before you can trust in Jesus, or can you skip that part and go straight to Jesus? Ooh, that's a really deep question, man. I was just thinking, you know. No, here's the thing. 
there, there comes a point, let's, let's make an argument. It's not good if you don't trust someone. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Let's go backwards with this process. Because there does come a point where you have to trust someone. Should you trust everyone? Of course not. So now you're backing into this argument a little bit, though. But you know it's not a good idea for you to not trust someone. So how do you reckon with that? You have to go to Christ first. Because part of all of this is developing a relationship with him first. So that you can have a better way of communicating with him and hearing him speak to you about, guess what? Who to trust. So you back yourself into the argument and say, you know it's not good to trust everyone, but you also know it's not good to trust no one. So there comes a point where you have to come back to say, the Lord, help me with this trust issue. Because it may be, you've, you've asked a more profound question you probably realize. If you've been in an abusive household, guess what the problem is for the person who's been abused? I don't want to trust anybody. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's exactly, that's a more profound question than you probably even thought about. Because now you've got to train yourself as a person who has gone through a lot of hardship and difficulty early in your life. You've got to work through things that the average person may not. And that is now being able to reach out and talk to other people and trust them about matters of your life. Mm-hmm. And that includes God. That's exactly right. That's true. That's true. And that's, un- remember how I said earlier it's okay to wrestle with God? Because it is. Because the more you wrestle with him, first of all, that means that you're having contact with him. You are acknowledging his presence. That is always good. Even though you're still struggling with answers, it's okay to wrestle with God about that. He invites that. He wants you to do that because you're still trying to seek answers. Why did you put me through this? And there may not be an answer to that question other than the fact that you may be gaining experience so that you can guess what? Counsel other people who have been abused. That may be the answer. There may not be any other answer for that. But he allowed you to go through that situation for an experience. And I'm not trying to trivialize that. Because that's not a trivial thing. But unfortunately, there is no grand answer that's going to necessarily satisfy a person who's been through abuse. Especially as a child. You're not going to be able to deal with that other than the fact that God has to be the one. You give it to God. Who is the one who gives peace beyond all understanding? God is the only one who can get a person like that through something like that. But it doesn't mean that that's not going to be a lifelong wrestling experience. It very well may be. But I challenge you that wrestling with God all your life is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because at the very least, you are having communication with the Lord. And he is going to give you more and more through that whole wrestling process that you're going through. Just like getting the answer no for prayer. Wrestle with him on it. specific answers for that. Let me do a search for an answer to <laughs> I'm not sure how to follow that. So, I want you to understand that this is, this is all part of this discussion we're having here today. This is really important. This is about maturity in Christ growing and learning in Christ, 
really getting deep down about your personal experiences with God and really seeking Him in all this so that you can start making good, better, and best choices in life. That's what we're talking about. Columbus, you had your hand up. I'm sorry. And this is just personally for me and maybe other folks have experienced it, but when it comes to that trust issue, there is a accepting my fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. Yes. It's swallowing my pride. Yes. And that pride, swallowing that is something because you're trusting that this is going to be the right decision, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily think it's so. And I think it breeds brokenness. Yes. And I think that that got to work. Absolutely. The proverb here actually says that. The not leaning on your own understanding is the fear. The fear of not doing something. The fear of doing something that you don't, you don't want to really do it. That's fearfulness. But if you're trusting in the Lord, he's going to get you past all of that. He's going to give you a reason why you don't need to be fearful in this situation. He's giving you comfort in this, all this. That's what he's saying. Acknowledge him and he'll direct you. Amen? Can you speak briefly uh, to a person that maybe didn't even realize that it was a a bad setting? It was a bad thing. Been going to church. I've been churched. Think I know this. And just some things are a little twisted. I mean, and that even, I think, goes beyond the trust piece. Now you got to convince me that this thing has been all twisted all along. Because, uh, you know, I'm being taken to church, um, you know, all the right mechanisms of things are, are transpiring, where it, it quite ain't right, and, 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 you know, to undo that or dispel that, whatever, hard, hard when it might be, when you don't even know that mm-hmm. you're broken, uh, something's wrong, something's twisted, because mm-hmm. I'm going to church just like you, I'm sitting yeah. on the pew just like you, I'm in the choir right. stand, I'm on the worship board. <laughs> That's why we can only speak in general terms in this seminar, but you truly have to personalize everything we've talked about. Because what works for you may not work for me. It may not work for somebody else. Go ahead, guys. I'm sorry. This study of Daniel's life. Yes. He went to church. Yep. yep. Wound up in all the worst places that time. Yep. But still see what God did with him. That's right. That's right. You have to come back. That's a great example. That's right. Abused by brothers. Felt not loved. Uh-huh. You, Daniel or Joseph? Joseph. Yeah. Joseph. Daniel. Daniel, Joseph. Daniel, Joseph. Joseph is another great example of that. Right? We have to understand that ultimately God has a plan for you to experience good. It may take a long time for you to see that. And reckoning with the fact that, yes, you've been to going to church. Well, let's start with this. Going to church isn't enough. Amen? Yeah. Going to church is going to church is great. You should go because that is where you're being instructed. You're being given wisdom and knowledge, but it's not enough. It's just one part of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, your parents wanted you to go to church when you were a child because they wanted to get you exposed to that, so that you would you know fall back into that. And what happens? None of y'all go to church anyway. <laughs> so you have to find out for yourself that it's important, don't you? Yes. You have to find out for yourself what's important. You have to understand that it's your growing relationship with Christ that has to continue to keep going, keep growing. The more you learn, 
hopefully, the more you want to learn. The more that you're exposed to, it makes it better. But you know what? If, if yes. we are really unique, and we believe that we are very unique, God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. Our story, we have a story to tell. Amen. Like. And you know what? If he has a purpose and a plan for us, it's unique, and it's good, and he's going to use it if we allow him for his glory. Right. Amen. Well, let me add to this. That's right. Now, understand something. When you just became a believer in Jesus Christ, that was just the beginning. You know that, right? I mean, everybody knows that when you became a believer, that was just the beginning of your journey in Christ. To go even further, Dennis Lindsay notes that faith in God and his word is not a blind faith. It comes through learning to trust God's word. Faith and trust are two different components. One's faith has to be strengthened through a learning process, which occurs over time. Remember we said learning process? Occurs over time, and it doesn't come like that. It is not enough to have faith in Jesus Christ. You also have to trust and obey him. You've got to trust and obey him. Faith by itself is insufficient if you don't trust and obey him. That's really important. So Lindsay's point about our faith is valid. On its own, it doesn't mean very much unless there's something to support it. It requires action to manifest its presence. For James, in the book of James, tells us, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That's James 2.26. In other words, there has to be something to show. (laughs) There has to be something to sustain the fact that you do have faith in something. There has to be a demonstration of some sort of life change in the person who is exercising their faith. There's got to be a life change in some way, shape, or form as you go. Amen? It has to be. Can't ignore it. Can't leave it out. I think the word demonstration also is an action that can be seen. That's right. Very good point. I like that. Trust is an ongoing exercise of one's faith. And the expectation of those who trust in Jesus is his presence, his comfort, and ultimately his responses in answered prayers. I'll read that again. Trust is an ongoing exercise of one's faith. And the expectation is his presence in your life his comfort, and his responses and answered prayers. You're trusting, if I want to sum that up, that God is going to be present in your life. He's going to answer your prayer. You're trusting he's going to do it. Can you see how important trust is, though? If you don't trust him, you will miss everything here. You won't see it. You might be praying. You might be asking. You might be even consulting wisdom from others. But if you don't trust in the results, that pact you have with Jesus just kind of falls apart. Falls right apart. Uh, pardon? I'll move it back. Yes. And sometimes it takes you to believe first and then to have the faith and action 
Then after that action occurs, you see what he does, which builds a full confidence in who he is and what he will do. Amen. And once you get that full confidence in him, and you see those, you have those experiences with him over and over, that builds that trust even more for you to be confident that his word is true, and he will do what he says he will do in the word. But I think sometimes we put belief and trust together. Yeah. And I think the belief is knowing what he says, but the faith, like Arlen said, is demonstrating in the action, which then leads to the trust and the ability to know that confidence in him. The key word you mentioned there is confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have confidence that God is going to do all the things that he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Remember, people can tell you all day long that this is good for you, this is good for you, this is good for you. If you don't believe it, it won't mean anything to you. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you it's the best thing for you, but if you don't believe it, I don't believe it. Yeah. But can, you, can you believe and not have trust? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because sometimes I can believe with my mouth. But not move. Sure. And because I don't move, I don't get to experience. So basically, you just you just stood still. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. You had your hand up. I'm sorry. The Lord tells us that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Right. If you cannot repeat in your own mind, God is for me. If you can't compete in your own mind, the battle is not mine. It's His. If you can't tell yourself that you are victorious. Mm-hmm. No matter what things look like. Right. If you can't tell yourself that everybody goes through these temptations but for these trials, but God always makes a way of escape. If you can't talk to yourself about what Scripture has said, then you are in a hopeless state because you have nothing to trust in or believe in or to call upon God for. That's right. That's true. Okay. I don't think I could say it any better. I mean, that's if you can't go back and read, that's why it's important for us to be reading and studying Scripture in depth every day. Because he's speaking to you through this Scripture and giving you those words that you can use to help you to be able to trust. That's what he's trying to remind you of. Okay. And there are some verses here. Uh, I'll say them very quickly. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Amen. Amen. That's huge. Psalm 910. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Okay. All right. Everybody get that? We're concluding now. So (laughs) I'm sure you're looking forward to that. So... Understand that uh, Jesus Christ's relationship with you should be bringing a change in you on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. A good change that in you to help you make the right choices is his sanctifying power within our salvation that leads to change that helps us to trust him more and more. And that's what we're looking for in our life. Titus chapter 3, you can write this down. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. It's a good verse for you to go back and look at on your own, but I'll read it to you now. It says, For we ourselves, here it is, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, <coughs> led astray. Now listen, to, this is you. Listen to this. Slaves led to, to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. <coughs> Hated by others and hating one another. 
But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen to where you were before, and listen to where God, because he loves you, created you, made you, knows you intimately, loves you beyond any measure, did all those things for you so that you could have fellowship with him for all eternity. And remember, you were in a wretched state. Amen? Amen. Amen. Melba, can you put the other one up one more time? Right before that. Put the, the thing up from before? Yeah, right before. The conclusion. The conclusion part? Yeah. yeah as soon as I find my mouse, I will. Yes. Oh, this here? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was going too fast for you. Y'all should have said something. You were doing good. I was, and all of a sudden I just got crazy there at the end. All right. Jesus Christ's relationship with you brings about a change in you, a good change that helps you to make the right choices. And the good change is, first of all, he gave you life through salvation. Amen? Amen. That's a good change. That is a that is one of the, the most important thing. A good change through salvation. But salvation is just the beginning. That's the whole point. It's just the beginning. You know, saved by grace. So where do you go from here? Now you're going to have to trust in being obedient to his word, listening to what his word has to say to you. There was another verse that I was going to mention to you. I think it was Ezekiel. <coughs> Ezekiel 36. Can I take this down now? Yes. Are we done? Okay. The other verse was Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. Go ahead and turn to that, since Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. This is this change that, this is also epitomizes this change we're talking about. I will also sprinkle clean water on you. This is from the Holman Christian Center Bible. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Look at all the change change i will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances that change he's making in you gives you the desire to be obedient to the lord because you know it's good for you and it's good for you in making the right choices in life he's going to give you that desire to do that you can see from these examples that Christ wants you to make the right choices because he gives you the ability in your trusting of his word that you absolutely will make the right choices. You will do it. It doesn't matter where you are because he's going to meet you where you are. Amen? Amen. He's ready for your commitment to him right now. Now is the time 
to make a pact with Jesus Christ. Pray to him. Ask him. Consult with those who have wisdom and knowledge. Trust that he will answer. I'm going too fast. Pray to him. Ask him. Consult with those who have his wisdom and knowledge. And trust that he's going to answer. Your life is going to be richer and more meaningful. Your relationship with Jesus Christ will help you in your obedience make the right choices. Look at what it says in Psalm 37, 6. He will make your righteous reward like the sun. Reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Remember when I said he wants the best for you? He wants you to be like this. He wants you to shine before other people. And that's regardless of what you're going through. People will see the light of Christ shine through you before others. That's what it's all about. Amen? Thank you for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Make that path. Make that commitment. Amen? Amen. Go back one. I really wasn't rushing. Let's see here. Oh, go back to that one. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that should be actually your your pack. Your handout should say that. Yes. Essentially that's what it says. It says that's the image one. That's the There it is. Okay. All right. Now we're gonna turn this over to the uh my my assistant, uh uh, Lynn Gain, what? We have to uncover the door prize. Ooh. Well, Lynn, go back there to uncover the door prize. I'm going to look for another basket. How many of you have enjoyed the information that you have? Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Again, we want to thank Melvin and Lynn both. But, um, how many of you think Melvin said?